is an up-and-coming tight end about to add the moniker league winner to his resume? Can a sophomore NFC running back live up to the second-round FFPC hype? And which 42 FFPC Joes will take on 42 pros in the 2021 FFPC Pros versus Joes competition? Plus, 14-time FFPC and Football Guys League champ Alex Bolazzo joins us to talk about the Bills wide receivers, Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Falkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour and the pros versus Joes. Joes are revealed right now. I can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men than me. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. For our intro music tonight, remember to check out their music at quiethollers.com. Greetings and salutations to all the Balkaholics and for LAX. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by myffpc.com. I am, as always, your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is indeed the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. Farrell, we have a great show for the listeners tonight. Not only are we going to offer some pretty good uh, analysis, we're going to offer some good takes, some good um, advice from a guest who has won uh, more than a dozen high-stakes leagues as he comes on to share his 2021 FFPC drafting expertise in Alex Palazzo. But we are also revealing the 2021 Joes field of the uh, FFPC pros versus Joes. Um, Darren Armani, who helps, well, basically puts the whole thing together every single year, uh, at Fantasy Mojo on Twitter. Remember to check out his website, FantasyMojo.com, for your home for the pros versus Joes. And, uh, and certainly, if you are an FFPC player for all the ADP data, for all the FFPC analysis, it is well worth your subscription fee to check out that right now. I know a lot of people are listening in with bated breath. It's going to be an exciting show tonight, Farrell. You know, what a great, terrific resume Alex Palazzo has put together. Maybe he is a... Uh... Maybe he is, is, is a Mojo uh, subscriber. Maybe we'll have to ask him. But, you know, we hit, learning his secret uh, will be very, very valuable tonight on the show. It's going to be fun because he's uh, obviously, whatever his secret is, it's working for him because he's, he's won so many leagues in the FFPC over the years. A guy who have wanted to get on the show for years, and finally tonight is indeed the night. Not only will Alex Palazzo come on tonight, we're going to vamp about the forgotten man in Dallas reveal the 2021 Joes lineup for the FFPC Bros, uh, Pros vs. Joes competition. And Alex will tell us uh, all about LaVisca Chenault's ADP, how he's treating Jets in his football guys drafts, and much more. Shout out to the chat room right now. we got a full house in there ready to hear whether they are uh, in the Pros vs. Joes field. You can uh, post your questions there. We already got one from Hudson Kern Reeve for our guest tonight. We'll get to that a little bit later on in the show. If you all want to post any more questions in there, you can do so right in there. But on Twitter, we are at HSFFHour. I am at Eric Balkman. Farrell is at J. Farrell Elliott. And, of course, you can check out the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship and sign up for their main event and for the checkered playing competition. Three leagues to go there before that's filled up. That is at KFFSC.com. Facebook.com slash HSFFHour is where to reach us. You can also chime in and talk to us tonight. 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVER. Our email is highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. If you have any questions for us or for Alex, who, by the way, is on Twitter at RhinosFFB, now is the time to send them in. We're going to get to all the chat room questions, tweets, emails, to the best of our possibilities. 
or abilities, I beg your pardon, in the fantasy <laughs> feedback uh, segment later on in the show. Thanks to our audio engineer and my best friend, Bryce, and our producer and mutual friend, Rob. Before uh, we get into the announcement and the news tonight, I do want to bring to your attention a few things that are going on with the FFPC and the KFFSC. One, the Football Guys Players Championship is going off right now. We have uh, Kern, who is in the chat right now and drafting a team at the same time, which is fantastic double duty for Hudson Reeve. He is trying to win $500,000 for the grand prize in the FPC this year. Remember, second place also gets $100,000. The early bird is live. That goes for another uh, a little bit less than three weeks or so. If you sign up for an FB, FF, uh, beg your pardon, a football guys draft prior to June 30th and draft it before July 15th, you will get a free FFPC $35 credit. You can do that up to three times. So that is essentially $100 plus in free FFPC teams if you take advantage of that. Our inaugural best ball tourney has launched a $100,000 grand prize in a half million dollar prize pool. Only $125 to enter that. The Dynasty startups continue to be going strong here, both with slow and live drafts all weekend long there. Best ball drafts open. You can start off if you've never played in the FFPC before. You want to dip your toes in. No no more lukewarm, temperate water than a $5 Cinco de Best Ball option. That is where to go there. And, of course, the KFFSC.com. Um, is where you can uh, sign up for the checkered flag competition. Take your shot at a $5,000 grand prize there and register for the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship main event at KFFSC.com for a five-figure grand prize there as well. Compete against a lot of the people who are in the chat room tonight, myself included, uh, in that competition. Thanks to Football Guys, Draft Sharks, NBC Sports Edge, and Rob for tonight's Fantasy Flash. Farrell, we're kicking it off with the news of the week. No, it has nothing to do with Aaron Rodgers. It has everything to do with Julio Jones and the Tennessee Titans. Ian Rappaport broke the news that the Falcons traded Julio Jones in a 2023 six-rounder to Tennessee for a second-round pick next year and a 2023 fourth-round pick. There is also likely going to be a late second-round pick and a swap on day three for Julio Jones as the Falcons were unable to get a first-round pick for the perennial pro bowler. Now, Tennessee uh, is not going to be able to sign or essentially take, you know, uh, bring in Julio Jones full $15.3 million salary as was signed by the Atlanta Falcons. There are probably going to be some restructuring. There could be um, a, a cutting of a player, some restructuring for some other players. But in any event, when it's all said and done, when we go to week one, of the NFL season, it's going to be Julio Jones and A.J. Brown on the outside as opposed to A.J. Brown and Corey Davis last year. Don't forget, uh, Derrick Henry is in the backfield. Ryan Tannehill is uh, going to be the quarterback for the Tennessee Titans, a more than capable quarterback. Farrell, when you look at Julio Jones, now that we finally know his landing spot, I'll bring this up right now, fantasymojo.com, over the past five days in the Football Guys Players Championship, this is mostly after uh, the trade has been done. Julio Jones is now wide receiver 15 in the mid-fourth round. He is going right after Allen Robinson, right after Amari Cooper, right before Robert Woods, right before Mike Evans. Does that feel like the right spot where high-stakes drafters have settled on Jones, or should he be going higher or lower in your expert opinion? There's a lot of good receivers in the draft this year, Balky, but Jones should be going higher. And I think when people have time to think about this, they're going to understand what it means to the Tennessee Football Club to have him in the league or have him in the, uh, with the team and to have him playing in concert with Brown. It's going to be a change of direction for this football team. It's going to look a little bit different than what we've had before. I, you know, Rappaport went on in his uh, commentary to say something about the fact that Tannehill is not the ideal match for Julio Jones. Uh, something about the deep ball and accuracy and that kind of thing. You know, I don't think uh, Ian uh, has been doing enough homework. He does a lot of contribution to media, and and so you know he doesn't get to, to flesh it all out. Tannehill is an excellent deep ball thrower. Uh, in 2019, he was uh, his target accuracy was in the top uh, three in the league. He, he dropped to uh, the middle of the pack last year. But with, with Julio Jones, uh, if, you, if you want to see who exactly Julio Jones is and how he can help a quarterback and how he can get down the field, you only have to look at one play. You can go to YouTube. Uh, you can put in Julio Jones' great catch 
versus the Patriots. And, and it'll come up. There, there's a play in there where Matt Ryan gets flushed from the pocket. He's running forward towards the line of scrimmage. He throws the ball over Jones's head and what would have been over any other receiver's head in the league. And Jones makes the most incredible catch. And he does that in some way to, relieve, to rescue his quarterback all the time. This is one of the greatest players that we've ever witnessed in the league. He should be higher than a mid-fourth round pick. I'm just bringing it up right now, Farrell, that you bring up this uh, this Julio Jones catch, and I'm watching it. That is an insane display of athleticism. Um, I didn't even – I watched it in real time, I and I looked at it, and I was like, that's, there's no way that's a real catch. Yeah, it was legit. It's real, and it, it was spectacular, no question there, with Julio Jones. Um, the other side of this coin, the coin I'll bring up here is, is since this trade, Calvin Ridley has shot up draft boards as we knew he would, but he is now going at the 206, Farrell. He is wide receiver three behind Tyreek Hill and Stephon Diggs. He has moved ahead of A.J. Brown, DeAndre Hopkins, and Devontae Adams. He's now wide receiver three. And I understand the target share is going to be a much bigger now with basically him, Kyle Pitts, and Russell Gage as the main pass catchers in Atlanta. Is that too high? Is that a spot you'd be comfortable taking, Calvin Ridley? I just drafted him in the checkered flag in Kentucky not, you know, probably like a week or so ago, maybe a little bit more than a week, and I feel like I got a pretty good deal on him there in like the fourth round, assuming that Julio Jones would be moved. He's coming off the ankle surgery, which we found out was the reason he wasn't participating in minicamp. Calvin Ridley, wide receiver three at the 206. Is that a player you want to be in business with when that's the price tag that comes with him? Not with that price tag. Excellent player, but you mentioned the players right before him. You mentioned the players right after him. They're safer picks to me in this situation. I um, I feel that, uh, especially in Brown's case, with he and Jones together, and if you can get in a situation where you get both those receivers, I know they've got a bye week that's a bit problematic, but if you can get both those receivers on your roster, you've got a a way to foil a lot of great fantasy matchups throughout the year. So uh, as far as uh, as far as Ridley is concerned, probably not for me, especially with these especially with these injury questions. As we move towards the FFPC main event, as we can see how he's physically moving and what this offense actually looks like, uh, then I'll probably feel a little better about Ridley. But right now, I just think there's better options with less question marks. Guys, we are about two minutes away from revealing the 2021 Joe's Field on the Pros versus Joe's competition here at MyFFPC.com. Before we get to that, one other thing I want to bring up. Um, Dave Burkett, who covers the Detroit Lions for the Detroit Free Press, says that TJ Hawkinson is, quote, headed for a big season. This is not the only beat writer that has been chiming this or ringing this bell, as it were, as a mm-hmm. lot of people think. Hawkinson, uh, a lot of people close to the team think Hawkinson is going to have a big season. Last year, he finished fourth among tight ends with 67 catches. He was third among tight ends in receiving yards with 723. Ben Johnson, who is the tight ends coach for the Lions, said last month that the, quote, sky's the limit for Hawkinson this season. He is 23 years old and, in fact, the longest tenured offensive skill position in the Lions' <laughs> offense after the departure of Kenny Galladay, amongst others. Um, Marvin Jones, now in Jacksonville, he won't be there. I already mentioned Galladay in New York. Hawkinson is going to be targeted a bunch this year. And, Farrell, as we look at um, football guys' drafts right now, as far as where Hawkinson has been going, he is going off the board as the tight end five at the end of the third round. Now, that is essentially almost a full round after Kyle Pitts, and it is almost a full round before Mark Andrews. So he's kind of on an island there between four and six. Hawkinson in the late third, essentially, if you have a late first-round pick, Hawkinson is going to be going in that neighborhood for you in the third. Would you pull the trigger on him there? Certainly. What you've got to look at is is what he did last year at the age he is. I'm very glad that you mentioned he's only 23 year old, 23 years old. You know, we and we're very excited about the draft we had this year. Let's remember that this was the eighth player taken overall in 2019. He's a very very good tight end with more upside than he has shown. He doubled his production last year from his rookie year. So we're talking about more target share. He had 101 targets last year. That was about 18% of all the passing uh, that Stafford had for the Lions last year. And as we go into this year, uh, 101 targets, well, 
you're going to increase that. We see it. We see it with Kelsey and we see it with Waller. And everyone will tell you, well, uh, they throw the ball to those tight ends all the time. Well, what does all the time mean? What's that number? So it's like 145 to 150. That would be an increase of three passes a game for this guy, which is very, very doable. I think you have to have another pass-catching tight end on the field or in the rotation to get this player loose, to give him some advantage, especially since some of the top receivers and some of the historically fine receivers in this team are gone. So, you know, I, I want to bring your attention deep on that roster, uh, deep on that depth chart. There's a tight end there that this uh, – that this coach had down in New Orleans named Elise Mack, uh, who played with Claypool at Notre Dame. They were roommates. See, we got Claypool in uh, pretty early tonight. <laughs> but nevertheless, um, this is, you know, we're going to see some players emerge on this Detroit team, and all of them are going to have contributory aspects in this offense. Um, uh, and and we could continue way beyond the two minutes we have to talk about this player, but the answer is yes. If you can get T.J. Hawkinson those extra three targets per game, then he's going to have production that's going to be similar to Waller, similar to Kelsey, who are first-round draft picks right now in the FFPC. We uh we we could I and I'll tell you this right now, for anybody who's a fan of this show, we talk about tight ends quite a bit. Uh this is not gonna be the last time we talk about Hawkinson prior to pros versus Joe's or the start of the season. So you're home for Hawkinson, the high stakes fantasy football hour <laughs> right here at blogtalkradio.com slash HSFF hour and of course HSFF hour.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, time has come. We have kept you waiting long enough. The uh pros versus Joe's are revealed. Once again, these are the forty two names that will be making up the Joe's portion of the FFPC Porsche, uh, of the FFPC Pros versus Joe's contest this year. Uh, each of these players will be put into a 12-team league with five other Joes versus six other pros. Each champion of those leagues will win a 2022 FFPC main event team. Without further ado, here are the Joes. There's some fresh names on here. There's some uh, familiar names on here. And I will reveal all 42 of them right now. First off, in no particular order. These are, these are completely randomized. These are not in alphabetical order or anything like that. So listen to the whole list all the way through to find out if you made it. Uh, Ryan Lips is first. He will be competing in the Pros vs. Joe's uh, competition this year along with Robert Trenz. The Golden Sack himself, Michael Apt, who you've heard on this show before, is going to be, and I believe he's been in Pros vs. Joe's before, so he will be trying to win his way to a free main event team in 2022. Those are the first three names tonight. Curtis Hirsch also going to be competing along with Michael Cobb. Mino Brown himself, a former guest of this show, will be competing for that free main event team in 2022. A guy you heard on these airwaves this uh, this past year during the Pros vs. Joe's competition. Yeah, that's right. He was in last year. He made it again this year, got lucky in the drawing. It is the father and son team of Robert and Robbie Russell. They will be competing for those uh, for that free main event team. J.C. Gifford, another guy, the pride of, uh, of the New England area, a guy who um, has helped uh, – bring his own ice cream into the Meadowlands for, uh, for, um, for consumption at all Patriots games. J.C. Gifford, welcome to Pros vs. Joe's. Eric Rubin will be in, as well as Danny Mueller, another former guest of this show, the Blitzers, competing in the PBJ this year. When he is not helping his friends win Academy Awards out in Hollywood, he plays in the FFPC, and he will be playing in the Pros vs. Joe's competition this year. Andrew Miller, bashing bunnies, welcome aboard. Jules Reed, a.k.a. Jay Reed, will be competing along with Eric Vanek, his, uh, his co-owner. Somebody let him know. He's broadcasting live right now a football guy's draft that he's in at Packers153 on Twitter. He is in Pros versus Joes this year, so somebody let him know as he's busy trying to assemble a half-million-dollar winning team in the football guys contest. Jeffrey Berger and Dan Polner, that tandem will be competing. Another former guest of the show, Rob Vieira, is once again this year. Farrell, a duo near and dear to your heart, the defending champions of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship main event, Brad Petrie and Darren Larson in pros versus Joes this year. Very exciting to welcome those guys aboard. You heard him on these airways last week. You will be hearing his team going forward this year. Derek Kappas, welcome aboard. 
to the Pros versus Joes competition in 2021. Monty Fan. Yeah, you know Monty Fan. He won the regular season title in the FFPC main event uh, for the points. He's a former Bare Knuckles champ. He's won four league titles. He is in with Matthew Jones again this year. Straight out of Whatcom. Welcome to the Pros versus Joes. Michael Guziak, uh, Guzilek and Joe Skoza. Welcome into the, I believe they've been in the Pros versus Joe's competition many moons ago. They are in it again this year. Certainly going to be a force uh, to be reckoned with. Mark and Amy Palmer also competing in Pros versus Joe's. That brings us total to 18 so far. I'm going to fly through the rest of them because I know I'm, I'm uh, soaking up the drama here. Jeff Tirabasi, Cornfins will be in it this year, as well as Mike Stanowski, and then John Kleinfelter and Dave Beyer. Fester and friend will be in the Pros versus Joe's uh, contest this year. Nick Thompson, welcome aboard. Another Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship player. It's the tandem of Jason Kahn and Aaron Laser. They will be in pros versus Joe's. Hey, he's in the chat room tonight. He's drafting right now. Hudson Kern Reeve, the pride of Cornell University, is uh, going to be drafting in the PBJ. Welcome aboard, Kern. Matt Stone and Ronald, uh, I beg your pardon, Andrew Stone. Matt and Andrew Stone will also be in it. Another guy in the chat room tonight. You know him as the Rainmaker, the notorious BIP. BipLab Mandel will bring his Bitcoin <laughs> franchise into the Pros versus Joes this year, along with Edward and Mike Vu. That tandem will be uh, competing for that free main event team. Moving on, John Flake is in. Jay Harding is in as well, along with Lev Norian. That was John Flake, Jay Harding, and Lev Norian bringing the total to 31 teams. Keith Douglas and Steve McMahon, welcome aboard. They'll be competing that tandem uh, for that free uh, main event team, along with David Strumeyer, Beth Riches, and Michael Sheffer. The return of Ashley and Allie to the return of the pros versus Joes. I believe Sheffer's, I think Mike Sheffer's been in before. I could be wrong on that, but he is going to be competing this year. Strumeyer, Riches, Sheffer, all aboard. Okay, only a few names left here. Robert Coe is in, as well as Jetshada Jeroboom is also going to be competing, along with another former pros versus Joes contestant, Richie Nishura, also in this year. You know him as the pride of Auburn. Yeah, John Shaw, he is in along with his co-manager Jay Wenning competing for the pros versus Joe's title this year, as well as the death dealers, AKA team XXX also competing two names left. It is Michael Reed. And then the final one, the Azell brothers, Bill and Don Azell. Welcome aboard to the 2021 FFPC pros versus Joe's competition. Congratulations to the winners, to those who didn't get selected. We thank you for your support and the winners really as well. We had a ton of names this year in the drawing, much more than we had last year. Obviously the COVID year, um, we didn't have as many people competing, but we had a ton this year. We certainly thank you for your support and cannot wait to hear from a lot of these Joes as we uh, broadcast these uh, drafts live here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, beginning at the end of next month, or towards the middle of next month, I should say. Um, if you were selected, you heard your name tonight, Darren Armani will reach out to you to find out if you want to be in the one slow draft or one of the live drafts that you will hear right on these airways. Expect an email from Darren Armani here within the next 48 to 72 hours. All right, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, we've kept him on hold long enough. Let's welcome him aboard tonight. On to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. It is indeed tonight's guest. He's been playing fantasy football for more than 25 years, starting with some local leagues, moving to the high stakes in the 2000s. He is a 14-time champion, including FFPC Main Event, FFPC Satellite Leagues, Football Guys Players Championship Leagues as well. And we're going to talk to him about how his drafts have been going on so far this summer. Please welcome into the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. You follow him on Twitter at RhinosFFD. It is Alex Bellazzo. Alex, thank you for hopping aboard with us tonight. Bulky, what's up, my brother? How you doing? I'm doing good, and I have to come clean here. Because I said I revealed 42 names I only revealed 41. The 42nd, it's you, my friend. You are the 42nd <laughs> team what into I'm the Pro versus Joe's competition this year. <laughs> Congratulations, man. You're the last team in. How's it feel? Dude, I got to tell you, I literally was like, what the F do I have to do? How many chickens do I have to kill? How many, like, you know, chakras do I have to cleanse to get into this Pro's versus Joe's, bro? Oh, I'm pumped now. That's, that's really freaking cool, dude. Oh. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. well, 
it worked out. It worked out. I, I thought I'd reveal this on air once we got you on air tonight. Um, you've never been in before, so you got to. I mean, now no. you got to pump, start pumping the strategy. How do I win? How do I win PBJ? Because this is diff- You've been drafting a lot of football guys teams, but as far as the the the, the pros versus Joes, they're all slim leagues now. So now you got to readjust your strategy, right? Yeah, but I'm kind of digging the slim leagues, man. Like I'm, I've done, I think. A, a whole bunch of those, you know, the $5 ones, which are really fun, by the way. Anyone who's not jumping in and doing a $5, you know, just to, just to practice and have fun is crazy because it's really cool. But the, the, the best ball tournament is a, is a slim. And I'm really digging that. I think it's a great concept. I mean, it, it, it's been interesting how in the first couple, like, I've kind of changed the way that I decided to put a team together. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited. It'll be really cool. I can't tell you how pumped I am, dude. Thank you. Well, you're very welcome. Welcome aboard. Congratulations, and, and thanks for your support of the FFPC. We will, I promise to the listeners, we will get deep into uh, fantasy football analysis. Alex, you have an interesting job. Why don't you tell the listeners what you're doing um, out in uh, on the West Coast when you are not busy being selected into the PVJ this year? Yeah, man. I, I basically just eat cookies for a living all day. Like I'm staring <laughs> at a, a, a stack of chocolate chip cookies right now. Uh, I, I actually own a wholesale bakery in the Bay Area, and I've been doing this for about 25 years. So uh, it's pretty cool, you know. It's uh, I, I don't I don't know. Every time I think I'm going to lose the last 20 or 30 pounds that I need to lose, or actually probably 60 <laughs> pounds I really need to lose, uh, it just doesn't happen because we're making something new. But it's it's a cool gig, and it's it's uh, it's rewarding. Congratulations with that, brother, and congratulations with your resume. Uh, here in the Thank FFPC. you, man. It's great to meet uh, it's, it's great to finally uh, connect with you, too, bro. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I tell you, some guys that are going to be connecting for the first time um, this year will be playing for the New York Jets. Uh, I have uh, looked at this roster, and I'm rather intrigued about it. There's, uh, there's new players coming in, uh, both through the draft and through free agency, and their effect, along with the new coaching staff, that it might have on this, uh, some of the remaining players is, is what has intrigued me. Now, it's hard to get excited about some of the Jets based on the history of the, of the franchise, but when you begin to look at, for our purposes, in the, in the fantasy drafts that you've been doing, that I've been doing, uh, it, it becomes obvious that if these guys can play at all, they're significant bargains because they're going in the double digits and sometimes the late double digits of these drafts. So, have you experienced the same thing? Have you looked at the Jets and said, hey, these are some players I can get in business with and take a shot with as these drafts move along? And if you have, who are among your favorites? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I think this year, you know, I've moved them off of my don't-touch toxic wasteland mm-hmm. list, you know, of, of players to, <laughs> yeah, there's some value there, right? I mean, the, the reality is, is that, I believe the Jets are going to be the 49ers East. I mean, they got Salah. They, I feel like, you know, they, 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 they have a lot of the same, you know, they've got a lot of coaches that have moved over. And mm-hmm. I, I really feel they're going to establish the run. They're going to be, you know, it's grounded pounds. They got a great tackle from last year. They got they, in the 14th pick or 13th pick this year. They upgraded, you know, their, their guard, a monster who's just going to be a road grader. So I think they're going to establish the run, and I think they're going to not put it all on, on Wilson's shoulders until they can find a couple solid wide receivers. So, I mean, I know this is crazy, but, I mean, even even you're looking at, uh, you know, you're looking at, you know, Michael Carter. He's at, what, 7.4 right now is where he's going, around 7.4. I mean, you got a guy who's probably going to get the ball a ton. There's no one else on that roster who's going to carry the ball like he can. I mean, you watch him in college. This guy, he's just a really good running back kind of a value for a potential running back one for a team that's rebuilding itself. And then i got to tell you, Elijah Moore, I mean, this is another kid. I mean, him and Wilson could, could be a really great hookup. He, he, what is he going? He's going, he's going 12.11, right, in drafts mm-hmm. wide receiver 56. That kid, man, I mean, if you watched him in college, he is really great. He's, he, just, he runs great routes, great hands, catches everything out front, um, super tough. I mean, this is a guy who's you know, really could be the next Jamison Crowder kind of player in, in that Jets mold because, you know, I'm, I'm a big Crowder fan and have been. Um, but I can see Wilson and Elijah Moore connecting, you know, rookie level coming up. They're just super, you know, just super talented. So 
you know, if I was going to target someone in, in those double-digit rounds, Elijah Moore for sure. I have him in a whole bunch of places right now as it is. But even, Mike, you know, Michael Carter, that's a guy at 7.4 who could be your RB1 and, and you take a flyer on him if you're, if, you're, if you're doing a reverse, you know, or doing a zero running back kind of uh, uh, draft. Let me ask you one quick Pretty thing. Crazy. What do you think? This is this the FFPC? We've, we've always got to pay attention to that tight end position. Now, you, you talk, talk about a guy that you don't touch, Chris Herndon. I, I've never wanted to get Chris Herndon on a roster uh, for several years. But this system you talk about, you talk about San Francisco East. This system has always rewarded and responded with athletic tight ends. Uh, Herndon is, is, you know, he's at a crossroads in his career. If he doesn't do it this year, he's probably not ever going to get another chance to do it. You got any thoughts on this player? Yeah, I'm, I'm not a – got to tell you, from what we've seen, or I'm just, I guess we should say what we've really not seen from him, whether right. it's injuries or I, – I, it's hard to – I just don't have a lot of belief in him. I believe that mm-hmm. their tight end is not on the roster. I, I just mm-hmm. do. I think I think that there's going to be value in that position. Maybe not quite this year until they find someone. But I that's a really great point you make. Um, is that I, they're going to need a tight end who can open things up over the middle, who can block well. And I believe if, if they take that same mindset, that that they're going to find someone who's going to be a top twelve tight end in the next two or three years. But it's not someone that's on their roster right now. I don't think Herndon is the guy. I, I just don't. I think that we all think every year. Oh, this is the sleeper, right? Everyone every year. New York Jets. Ernie, come on, come on, he's going to do it. It just doesn't happen. I hope it does for him, but, I mean, I'm, you know, probably a great guy and everything, and I always hate saying someone's not very good at fantasy football as a relative, but I, I just think it's not going to happen with him this year. I just don't see it. Yeah, it, it, listen, um, I don't think Herndon or any of his relatives are listening tonight, Alex, so feel free to uh, to be as honest as possible. When you guys were talking about, Alex, when you were talking about Michael Carter before, I'll, I'll just bring this up too. Think about how the NFL draft changed the backfield of not only the Jets and the, the Jaguars because they both uh, invested into some early round running backs. James Robinson and Michael Carter essentially going back-to-back now as running back 29 and running back 30 in the seventh round. Prior to the draft, Carter was not going that high. James Robinson was not going that low. And now they are neck and neck. Oh, it's why we love playing fantasy football because of swings like this. So much fun. Speaking of swings at the running back position, Antonio Gibson was a guy that was kind of a darling last year as a rookie um, a, a you know six foot two hundred twenty pound running back out of Memphis had pass catching chops um, flash last year certainly and I think a lot of people are drafting him based on those flashes last year right now he has a two oh eight ADP in the Football Guys Players Championship Alex he is going off the board as running back thirteen does that seem like a price that you're willing to pay to get him on your roster or are you looking elsewhere? Yeah, no, I'm I'm not taking him anywhere in the second round. I mean, he's more of a mid-third round pick at that point, but I, I, I'm sure. You know what, I think Washington's up and coming. I think that they're, they're, they're definitely headed in the right direction. He had some really great um, – he had some great games last year, and he showed some really good promise. But you're telling me Dobbins is going at 3.5 and he's going at 2.08? I don't understand how that's happening. And then Chubb's at 2.6. I, I mean, I'd rather have Chubb all day if, you know, if, he, if he drops a couple. So – I just don't think – I think he's got to prove himself a little better, and I just don't think that team is there yet. I think that um, also he, he, he was never a big running back. I mean, he was sort of that hybrid guy in college, right? So it'll be interesting to see if he really becomes more of a, you know, the predominant runner this year for Washington. If they really say, okay, look, you know, we saw some last year. You did some great. Let's really give you the rock this year and see what can happen. We got this magic under center, so we got a guy who we feel comfortable in. They're not going to – you know, they're going to be a little more, uh, you know, relaxed here. So I just don't see it. I just don't. I think I need to see a year before I pay anything, you know, a little higher than a mid-third-round pick for him. Alex, let's stay in, let's stay in the AFC East. I, last year when I joined Balky on the program, not too far into the season, uh, we talked about how Gabriel Davis was going to step up and take uh, usurped the position away from John Brown with, with Buffalo Bills, and he did. And I, and I thought this was a clear – that this player had a clear path to snaps, touches, targets, everything he needed to be a success in the Bills' offense. 
And then in free agency, we immediately hear one of the first deals that come in out of Buffalo was that they signed Emmanuel Sanders, who I have a great deal of respect for and was impressed with what he did in New Orleans. We know that Diggs' marvelous season last year can't get any better. Beasley is in the mix, too, and, and, you know, played bravely and courageously on his way to 90-plus catches. And so where does that put Gabriel Davis? I'm in, I'm in a uh, – I'm in a uh, the football guy is a slow draft right now, and I can get Gabriel Davis in the 15th round. Should I? Dude, I am all over Gabriel Davis this year. I love this guy. It's no joke. I've drafted in all the leagues I've drafted so far. I have him on, I got to say, like 75% of my teams, 80% of my teams. I think just saying, I, I think he's going to be the number two wide receiver on that team behind big, behind Josh Allen's MVP year. I think this mm. guy is prime. Again, you look at the eye test on Gabriel Davis. He's young. He's fast. He catches everything out front again. But, I mean, his average yard per catch last year, I don't know in front of me, was like, 18 or 19 yards or something crazy. Um, he has a good rapport with Josh Allen. They don't throw – I mean, they don't run the ball. I mean, Josh Allen just, you know, every once in a while will hand it off. But he's going to throw. Emmanuel Sanders is awesome. He's going to bring a lot of character to that locker room. I remember reading a lot about what he did in San Francisco. Players are going to love him. Beasley's a solid player, but, man, he – I feel like every year he's on the precipice of being knocked out for the year, right? There's always mm-hmm. – you know, you hear a report, right, this feeling. I think Davis jumps into that two spot, buddy, and I think he, I think he, sec- I think he finishes second in fantasy points on that team behind Diggs. If God forbid something should happen to Diggs, I think he jumps up number one. He's, their, I think he's their, actually a better deep threat than Diggs with the way that he runs his routes. I think Diggs is a far better overall receiver, but Gabriel Davis is undervalued. You watched him play last year; he's going to be special. Very good. Talk- Talking with Alex Palazzo, the uh, 14-time FFPC main event, FFPC satellite and football guys, league champion, and 2021 pros versus Joe's. Joe, very excited to welcome you aboard, Alex. Can't wait to cover your drafts coming up in July. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, I I think one of – I mean, as we look forward to it, I I think that, you know, one of the things that is – not only can decide pros versus Joes this year, but maybe decide some main event in football guys leagues is getting the Carolina Panthers receivers right, right? Um, you have DJ Moore there, who I know has been a darling for a lot of players. Robbie Anderson was a massive get for anybody who got him late last year. He definitely outperformed his draft spot. And then, oh, by the way, don't forget Terrace Marshall, who was welcomed aboard by the Panthers this year in the second round of the uh, NFL draft. A lot of people uh, thought he'd be going in the first round. He goes to Carolina now. Um, you look at um, Sam Darnold tossing him the, the, the rock there. And, and by the way, when I ask you this, Kraft is it, letting you know where these guys, and you probably already know because you've drafted so many football guys leagues, but for the listeners, this is where these guys are going in the draft right now. DJ Moore, wide receiver 20 at the 412. Robbie Anderson in uh, football guys drafts. Right now, wide receiver 35 at the 709. And then you have Terrace Marshall, wide receiver 65 at the 1504. When you consider the draft capital, Alex, which Panthers receiver would you have among those three, Moore, Anderson, and Marshall? Well, let me just say this. Robbie Anderson had what a quote-unquote bounce-back year last year, right? The reason it was a bounce-back year is his previous quarterback never threw him the freaking ball. And it just so happens his previous quarterback is his new quarterback. So I don't necessarily – I'm not on board with the whole Robbie Anderson thing because they got, they got Donald back who somehow is like – it's that plus and plus thing. They just bounce off each other apparently because he won't throw him the ball, right? So at this point, I'm not excited about Anderson at seven, right? Terrence, Terrence Marshall I think could be – a great pickup at 14. You know, I think he's going to move up a little bit. But I got to tell you, DJ Moore at at 412, I think is a great, great pick. I think it's a value pick. He was going. Remember last year, guys? He was at like 310, 311 last year. Mm-hmm. Didn't have that great a yeah. year. Um, but he was still wide receiver 25. You know, at, at, at the end of it. And I, I've got to tell you, man. I think he's a guy who you start talking about. You know, if you build the right roster in your first three picks, right, say, say you come, you know, you, you got a couple good running backs and then you get a wide receiver or a tight end, 
he's the guy who is a wide receiver. I think he's a top 12, top 13 wide receiver this year. I got a great feeling that Darnold loves his Jamison Crowder type of guy, right? I mean, that's why Jamison Crowder was so good. Darnold is not going to be the guy who airs it out. He's going to look for his 10, 12 yard outs and, you know, guys across the middle who aren't scared. That is DJ Moore written all over it. I think he becomes kind of Darnold's safety blanket, and, and I feel I can see him getting 90, 95 catches this year. You know, it would be great if the touchdown bumped up. You know, say you can get like eight or nine touchdowns. But I, I think he's Darnold's guy this year. I think, and he's too good. I mean, he's 24 years old, for crying out loud. And the guy, you know, he, he's still super young. Great, again, great route runner. Tough as nails across the middle. I just, I just see him being undervalued at 412. And a guy who can who can do some damage if you've done if you pick right your first three rounds. Let's you know there's a number of questions we could ask, but I'm I'm going to stick with these wide receivers because I like where you're going with this, and I'm I'm not necessarily agreeing with all of it, but it's making me rethink some positions, especially with Anderson. But here's something that that I will follow you on because I cannot figure it out by myself. I, I want I got a stat. This past week, and I think I read it right, 30% of the targets between uh, last year with the 49ers, and I know last year was last year, and a Dukes make sure quarterbacks, and a lot of things are different this year, but 30% of the targets to Ayuk and Samuel at the 49ers were behind the line of scrimmage, which was just the strangest stat for me to possibly read. So I'm not impressed with Samuel. Um, Brandon Ayuk, uh, I like better as a player, but where they go in the draft, I like other wide receivers around them. And, and I, I want to get your opinion on these two guys as what's going to change because it uh, more more than that, there's there's so many unknowns about the 49ers as to what they're going to do. I think it's the most interesting preseason team that that we'll see what happens with quarterback position, but. Try to grab into your crystal ball and tell me what we should do with these two players. Am, am, am I just missing out on them completely? Well, as a diehard Niner fan, I want them to both have 130 catches and 15 touchdowns this year, and that would be amazing. Dreaming is such a beautiful <laughs> thing. Always dreaming <laughs> won the Kentucky Isn't Derby in, 2000, in, in 2017, and it was a great, great party, and I absolutely love it, and we're still partying over it. <laughs> I, I, you know, I think it's funny. I've drafted Debo Samuel quite a few times already, but like in the ninth round, you know, ninth yeah. and mid ninth. I, I don't disagree with you. I think your take is is really solid. They're both great receivers. Shanahan loves those. You know, he snaps the ball, but he takes three steps back. They do almost, you know, they do this wide receiver screen, quick, quick pass. It's, you know, it's an ex- basically a long handoff, right? Um, I don't. Yeah. It's going to be interesting if Trey Lance ever takes – or when he takes over, not ever, when he takes over and see if they kind of open up the, the playbook a little bit and they start doing more rollouts and they let, they let him kind of air it out. Um, I think you might see a little more. But, I, 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 you know, guys like – you know, we're gonna, I know we're going to talk about him, but guys like, you know, Chenault and Curtis Samuel, I think have more week-to-week upside than, than Debo and, and Brandon Ayuk because they, the Niners just love to run the ball so much. And, and they're so right. good at it, right? They're, so – if, you, if you're in a best ball league, right, so sure, I, I have no problem taking, you know, Devo at seven or, or Brandon Ayuk late in the six, which I've, you know, you see him go sometimes late six, early seven. That's great because he's going to have some upside every now and then. But i got to tell you, for consistency, which really really is the name of the game here, it's hard, man, because it, I, I, the Niners, I think, will tell you in a heartbeat, we'd, we'd rather run the Rock 35 times a game, you know, put up 180 yards and, and win it, you know, 24 to 10 and call it a day. So I, it's, I, I don't disagree with your thought process there. I do think that if I had to choose between the two, I think Debo presents some great, way more value two rounds later than Ayuk does at this point. And, mm-hmm. and the guy, he, if you're watching play, man, he's, again, he's the kind of guy, he just wants to run through you. He's no fear, great hands, you know, those end of rounds, he, he's great with. So he's, he's a solid, solid player. I just think that the wide receivers in general are, always seem to be underutilized and, and, in the Kyle Shanahan playbook, I just think they want to run and then they want to, you know, target them five or six times a game just to, you know, mix it up. Alex, our first uh, listener question tonight comes from a guy you'll be competing against, well, at least for the overall competition in the Pros versus Joe's Challenge. It is Hudson Kern-Reeve. 
Uh, he wants to know, eval- or he, he's requesting this of you, evaluate stability of Mike Davis as a pick this year. And inversely, is Javian Hawkins worth anything? So Mike Davis, the ostensibly the starting running back for the Atlanta Falcons, going off the board as running back 23 in the Football Guys Players Championship over the last five days. That's at the 502. And as far as Javian Hawkins goes in Football Guys draft, running back 53 at the 1303. Your thoughts, uh, Alex, on those Falcons running backs? So I think Mike Davis, when you watched him run last year, he looked like a running back. He didn't look like a he didn't look like a he didn't look like a guy who was like, okay, I got to fill in for the for the lead guy, and you're going to see you know some significant significant drop off. And yeah, of course McCaffrey's special, but Davis looks good. And I got to tell you, I think that he's got one or two years as the lead back coming in. I'm a little worried about you know the defense and the Falcons. How much are they going to run? How much are they going to try to you know give them the ball, especially with you know Pitts and Ridley. Uh, engage, which I think is going to have a great year. But I, 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 I think he's definitely undervalued if, if you are drafting him in the, in the sixth round, late fifth. I think he's a guy who, who could be a great second running back on your team if he's locked him up in the first and decided to go with, uh, you know, wide receivers and tight ends or maybe an early quarterback and you get him as your RB2. I, I think you got to, I, I think that's a league winner if he hits for sure. Um, I got to tell you, Ren, I, I, in terms of Hawkins, I, I don't even, I don't know. I mean, I'd, I'd love to answer that question. Today. I don't know enough about him. I don't think, based on the Falcons, though, every year in the last four or five years, like Gurley, yeah, Gurley last year, um, yeah, I, they just, their backup running backs don't ever seem to provide value. That's how I've seen it over the last four or five years. They just don't. It's either their lead back who's going to give you numbers or their backups just, you know, come in, they take a handoff. It, they don't have a system with someone jumps right in and then takes over those numbers. But I think Davis is the kind of back who's far more special than who they have on their roster at this point to, to do something to give you that value. But Hawkins, again, I don't have, I don't have faith in the, in the back of running back system of, of the Falcons because we just haven't seen it. Alex, um, you, you just touched on it earlier. Um, let's talk about LaVisca Chenault. He had a good mini camp by all accounts, all the beat writers that were in Jacksonville watching him catch passes from not only Trevor Lawrence, but uh, Gardner Minshew as well. Now you look at where he's going in, in football guys drafts again over the last five days, wide receiver 42 at the 907. In your opinion, are, are FFPC drafters sleeping on him a little bit right now to let him go that late in drafts? Oh, for sure, 100%. Again, he's another guy that I'm targeting – in all my drafts. If you're telling me in the, you know, I've actually gone less wide receiver heavy knowing that I can get a guy like Chenault in in the ninth and Samuel in the eighth and, you know, Gabriel Davis in the 14th, not, you know, I don't want them to be my way in my receivers, but as wide receiver twos and threes, I'll take those guys all day. I think, I think he's the best receiver on that team. I know DJ Chark had his, you know, kind of breakout season, so to speak, a couple of years ago. Um, but I think he's the best receiver. I mean, I watched him play a lot of Colorado. You know, I live on the East Coast, and I see a lot of the Pac-12 games. And this, he was a monster, man. He caught everything, contested balls, he could run, uh, no fear, fast, great breakaway speed. This is, this is a guy who I think, you know, someone like a Trevor Lawrence, super young, he's going to rely on him. He's going he's to be his safety blanket, to use that phrase again. And I just think he's the best wide receiver on that team. And i got to tell you, Jacksonville's going to suck this year. So you know he's going to throw the ball. So if, if they're going to throw the ball, they got to throw it to somebody. So this is a dude who can get eight, nine, ten targets a game. If he puts up five, you know, five for fifty and a half a ton of your game in the ninth round, I'll take that all day. Well, you know, there's some running backs that you can take all day because they're going late and they're all in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers backfield. I very much <laughs> like your insight on. Uh, on Davis here. So I, I want to ask you about this backfield. I want you to particularly focus on uh, Jones because I, I, I spoke to a drafter the other day and he's asking me for some advice. And I said, well, what about Jones? Uh, Jones is uh, of the players that remained available to him. Jones had 300 more rushing yards last year. He's a 23 year old guy, 978 rushing yards, seven touchdowns. He got in the doghouse with the coach because he fumbled a little bit. Uh, what a great upside I see for this player based on where he's going. 
why are there so many Jones haters or Jones undervaluers uh, playing in the FFPC, and are you one of them? Well, I think there's a lot of yummy Kool-Aid out there that people drink, right? It's called Leonard mm-hmm. Fournette and, you know, mm-hmm. number four draft pick. And, you know, you know they're, they're, gonna, they're, they're not going to give the ball to Joe, and especially now after, you know, Fournette had this monster, you know, playoff run last year. Right sure. now it's like, well, we've resigned them. We're going to run it back. We're not going to change anything. I'm on board with you, man. Again, you watch Jones run. And any time you watched him run last year, that dude puts his, you know, he puts his shoulders down, his head down. He is running with force. He's always leaning forward. You know, I think he has to clean up some of his, you know, his ball handling out of the backfield. I think that was a big one, man. I think Fournette was, you know, a, and I surprised me, but he caught everything that Brady threw to him, you know, on those, uh, on those little dump offs and, uh, you know, swing outs. And I think, for, you know, uh, Jones had a little tr- – uh, little trouble with that. And so I think that was one aspect of it, but I don't get it either. I mean, the guy's going two rounds later. He, you can get him what? I mean, I'm looking at, at my thing here. You can get him at, uh, you know, in the ninth round. I mean, yes. to me, that's crazy value for a guy who, who could put up. I mean, him, the way that they're going to play this year, let's look at this, right? That division's trash. I, I mean, you've got the Saints who are rebuilding. Sure, they're going to probably be, what, nine and seven, nine and eight. You've got Carolina who maybe, if they're lucky, break 500, right? I mean, you, you got it, you, you've, got these, you've got these teams where they, they, they can literally play and sleepwalk into the playoffs. So if I'm – they're going to rotate their running back. And if they really believe Fournette's the guy for the playoffs, so they're going to rest Fournette the last four to six weeks of the season and, you know, give him some limited snaps. And that means Jones is going to get the ball. And if that, if that, that means that Jones is the guy who could be – your your FFPC playoff winner, you know, if he's getting the touches in those final games, they're kind of they're kind of relaxing on some of these guys. I just think that he's just so undervalued because people just they hear that you know he's in the doghouse and oh he's in front of Fournette and Brady doesn't like to throw to him. Yeah, but he performs, man. Watch him run. That's a stud. My favorite my favorite stat, Alex and Eric, that. that... I love about those two players is Leonard Fournette average yards per carry last year three point six, Jones five point one. That sells me yep. exactly what has to happen there. I agree yeah. all day, and I think that. Yep, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, Alex. No, I'm just gonna say it all day. I think he, I think he's just as good of a runner, not quite as good of a, a pass receiver. It, hopefully, he works on that, but. Uh, you know the, the problem is if you're the best ball, like the, you know the the uh, the best ball tournament. I, I I've done this a few times where I've taken Fournette and Jones back to back in late seven, early eight, and just called it a day right? because it's best ball. <laughs> like, I don't care which one does well, just give me one because right? they're both. And ca- playing is going catching passes yeah, right. out of that backfield is going to be very important. How much of it is Bernard going to get? Yeah, that's another good point, Alex. I think he point, gets Alex. more than people think. I think he gets more yeah. than people think because I, I think Bernard, he's been kind of an underappreciated guy for years too, right? I mean, he just, he just performs. But I will say this, Bernard is not going to – he's not going to be the guy who's going to – they're going to be ahead. They're going to be a great team. They're going to win most of their games. They're not going to be worrying about swing outs as much. I mean, if, if they're behind for whatever reason, sure, or even on third down, third and ten, you want to swing it out. He can block in the backfield, but I'm not as worried about him. I mean, honestly, it's the first two downs we want. And when the way that line played last year and the way that they're, you know, they scripted everything last year and as good as they can play, whoever's running the, running the ball, you know, they, they're, they can go from 90 or 100 and one or two every game. So I, I'll take Jones at two rounds later than Fournette, and I think he's just a good runner. Anybody who listens to this show knows that when – and I think this is the reason why Giovanni Bernard has been so underappreciated – Former co-host of the show, Dave the Dizzle Gerzak, when Giovanni Bernard was coming out of North Carolina, Dizzle said, I won't draft him. I said, why? He said, Giovanni Bernard's ass looks weird. So he would not take him in a dynasty draft. He would not take him in a redraft league. And ever since then, guys, he has been underappreciated because of his weird-looking ass, which I happen to agree with um, after time has passed. Uh, Alex, um, Farrell's got one final question for you. I do want to get to one well, email let me, here let me before. Just say this. Hold on. I was just going to tell you that if, if I got hit 400 times in the ass while I played football, my ass might look a little funny, too. I think we got to cut up some slack. <laughs> 
Well, the Bengals certainly gave him that slack, right? And they yeah. took a chance on him. He was really good for a couple of years. And, uh, and, right. and every time he's been out there, he's played well, for sure. Um, all right, so one email I want to get to here, Alex, before uh, Farrell asks you one final question. And thank you so much for staying with us a little bit extra tonight. Certainly appreciate it. Yeah, Chris man. in New York writes, Hi, Alex. With no Drew Brees this year, how are you handling Michael Thomas at his current ADP and football guys with his quarterback situation unknown? That is Chris in New York. And right now I can tell you, as Alex probably already knows, Michael Thomas's average draft position in the Football Guys Players Championship over the last five days, wide receiver nine at 306. Right ahead of Keenan Allen, C.B. Lamb, Terry McLaurin, right behind D.K. Metcalf, and Justin Jefferson. Does that seem right to you? Is that a player that you've been going with, uh, Alex, when you've had those picks in the mid to uh, to late third round, Michael Thomas? I think the only time I've drafted him is when I was on auto-draft and I forgot, to be honest. Uh, I, I'm not, I'm, I just think this year, I think this year I'm staying away from him as much as I love the player. I think, you know, I don't trust Taysom Hill to throw the ball. Jameis Winston, you know, him, the famous 30 for 30, you know, I mean, we're not talking the, the ESPN series. We're talking, you know, we're talking touchdown <laughs> interceptions. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I just don't necessarily feel that at the, at the price you have to pay for him, that there is going to be a return there with so much, you know, not uh, with so much trying to left to figure out the quarterback position. So I'm not touching him. I stay away from him. I think there's other guy. I'll take an Allen Robinson. Uh, I'll take a Terry McLaurin. Um, you know, I, I think DK, if I DK Metcalf fall for that spot, I'll jump all over him. All you know, before I take Michael uh, Michael Thomas. Farrell, final question, that, my friend. That being said, Alex, you know, there's a player that you don't take just because there's so much talent around him. It. It, it makes it an easy decision. Tell me a player that you're avoiding that you could get later in the draft that you see a lot of heat that you always see drafted that you always look past and then tell me the sleeper that you would like to get for, you know, I'm here in Louisville, Kentucky, JVN Hawkins is a sleeper for a lot of guys that know him from here where he played college football. Do you have a sleeper? Some of these excellent West coast players either a destination there uh, as a draft pick or a free agent signing or guys that you saw uh, play in, in the Pac-10, Pac-12, whatever we're calling it nowadays. Just just a guy that you could really help us out with. Well, it, it, as much as it pains me to say, I never draft Joe Mixon. I, I, just, uh-huh. I, just, I just feel this is a guy who's in the you know, second round every year sometimes in the first round every year. And I just feel like he, he always has one or two games, maybe three games, and then he's hurt for three or four games. And there's, you, you just can never rely on him, right? And as, as much as I want him to do well, and part of it is is that, you know, he, his, he's, a, he's a California guy. His dad went to the rival high school I went to at the same time I went to it. I want him to succeed, right, because I feel like there's this kindred spirit from, you know, the, the area. It's just – until you can rely on him, there's no way that I would pay a second round, third round pick for him. I just wouldn't. It's just not there. Um, hopefully that changes this year. Hopefully he puts together a full season where, you know, it's consistency, not a couple big games and then where are we for five or six games. So he's one guy for sure. And conversely, a deep sleeper there would be Chris Evans, right? A guy that got drafted by the, by the Bengals. Right, this guy has an ADP of a million and a half right now. It feels like, and hey, yeah, man, he, 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 I, I believe this is he's the next Giovanni Bernard this year. I think that he's going to come in on third downs. I think he can catch the ball really well. I think that he's a tough runner. I think he fits that that you know kind of young, uh, you know, attacking Cincinnati offense. And you can get this guy in the nineteenth, twentieth round and take a flyer on him, and he can start putting up, you know, putting up some, you know, J.D. McKissick-type numbers over the course of maybe four or five games if, if Mixon goes down. Um, or even, even if Mixon stays healthy, this is a guy who comes in, you know, rests him and comes out of the backfield. I, I think like an Evans, right, is a, is a guy to keep an eye out for. A uh, guy that we will be keeping an eye out for in the 2021 FFPC Pros versus Joes competition will certainly be none other than Alex Bellazzo at Rhinos FFB on Twitter. Alex, once again, 
congratulations for making it into the PBJ this year. We know you will carry the J flag well for the FFPC. And uh, who knows, you might end up winning the whole thing or at least winning a free entry into the 2022 FFPC main event. Thanks for hanging out with us a little bit of overtime tonight. Thanks for all your insight. Keep enjoying drafting season. I'll see you in the draft rooms, and I'll see you out in Vegas along with Farrell for sure, man. Absolutely. You guys are amazing. Thank you. You do a great job. I love listening to the show. Uh, and most importantly, this is everyone remember who's doing this, let's have some fun. Stop, don't be a pain in the ass in the draft rooms, right, number one. And don't give poor Bryce and, and Balky, like, heart attacks by complaining all the time, dude. This is listen to right. <laughs> Right. Alex, I, I right, certainly appreciate it, man. Thank you for the, the unsolicited PSA from Alex Belazzo tonight. Alex, we'll see you yeah, in September, right. man. Thanks, Thanks Alex. Later, guys. Yeah, Alex Belazzo, ladies and gentlemen, uh, at Rhinos FFB, uh, FFB on Twitter. Uh, good stuff from him, Farrell. I wish we had more time to break it down, but this is a guy who's done, oh, my goodness, you know, dozens of drafts since the, uh, since the calendar turned from 2020 to 2021. A lot of good insight. A lot of good insight yes. on, on how um, he's handling ADP right now. You know, a lot of people say, and, and Farrell, it just, this, we'll leave with the listeners with this thought tonight. Um, they don't pay attention to ADP. It doesn't mean anything. They don't draft by it. That's all fine and good. I like knowing what ADP is because I like knowing where I can take guys, where I can't take guys, where I have to take players I like, yeah. where I know who I can avoid, stuff like that. You have to be aware of it, I think, in order to, to, to be um, drafting it at the height of your powers. And I think, Alex, one of the things that, that brought this out to me tonight, this is a guy who drafts early, middle, late. He drafts all throughout drafting season. He knows when to pivot off certain guys when they get too high or too low. That's exactly right. You don't want to pay more than it costs. And if you do want to pay up for a player, you want to do it as part of your construction on how you're building your team. So that's very good value. It, it doesn't determine your draft, but it just determines how you want to move in and out of it with certain players. Um, with that, we will leave everybody um, to go enjoy their weekend of drafting in the FFPC in the KFFSC. Remember, Go to KFFSC.com. Not only sign up for the main event there, Farrell, but I think there's three, just three leagues left in the checkered flag competition, including a draft on Sunday night that people can sign up for there as well, right? Balky, we need some help with that Sunday night draft. There's nine spots still open. And, you know, the, we have yet to have to postpone any of our drafts. They've all sold out. So I'd like to keep that record moving. So if there's anyone that hasn't played with us before, you'll be thrilled to see that the uh, platform for drafting resembles the FFPC. It'll be very easy and very familiar to you, so you can jump in and compete uh, and, and feel confident about how you're moving through your draft. It's literally a carbon copy. I've drafted on KFFSC numerous times. I love it. It's so simple. Any FFPC drafter would tell you how much they love it as well. So certainly take advantage, sign up. What else are you doing Sunday night? Come on, give me a break. Uh, you can uh, watch the NASCAR race, uh, the all-star race from Texas and draft at the same time. That's probably what I'll be doing for sure. Uh, Farrell, listen, man, this, this was a pleasure. Uh, always appreciate you co-hosting with me each and every week. We'll do it again next Friday, man. Thank you, Volker. See you then. Follow Farrell on Twitter at J. Farrell Elliott. Follow the KFFSC on Twitter at KFFSC and follow uh, or register for leagues at the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at KFFSC. KFFSC.com. I can't talk tonight. Uh, Probably because Alex and Farrell were doing so much of the talking tonight, I forgot how to do it. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening tonight. Uh, Congratulations to all the Joes uh, who will be competing against all those dirty pros uh, in the Pros versus Joes competition. Uh, This, I think, the drafts are. I should probably know this off the hand, uh, off the top of my head, but I think they're all in July this year. Um, I don't think we seep into August at all. I believe the first. Uh, the pros versus Joe's draft will be the, the first batch essentially is July 18th, 19th and 20th. And then the second wave is the 25th, 26th and 27th. So no August PVJ this year. Um, that will be um, the way that we are doing it right now. At least I got to confirm with Darren Armani from at uh, fantasy mojo on Twitter, fantasymojo.com, who basically uh, designed this uh, PVJ contest each and every year. Um, a couple of housekeeping notes before we get out of here. I want to wish a uh, happy birthday to a trio of former guests slash co-hosts 
uh, tonight. Number one, Brent Studebaker, very successful FFPC dynasty player who's been on the show. Jared Smola, you know him from DraftSharks.com. He's co-hosted this show with me a couple of times before. You follow him uh, on uh, Twitter at SmolaDS. Um, wish him a happy birthday today. And Izzy Elkafis, the pharaoh of fantasy, also celebrating a birthday today. So a lot of high-stakes fantasy players' birthdays uh, today here on June 11th. Uh, moving on, I want to thank Alex Palazzo. Follow him on Twitter at RhinosFFB. Uh, Farrell Elliott at J. Farrell Elliott at KFFSE. The FFPC, Rob Rice, and, of course, each and every one of you for listening tonight. We will be back next Friday at 10, 9 Central. That is June 18th. By the way, um, I, I don't want to reveal anything yet, and maybe I, I don't want to oversell it either. But I do have um, an exciting – well, maybe not an exciting guest, but an interesting guest – coming up on July 9th, the July 9th show that I, I just form, um, finalized it today. Not going to say who it is, um, but uh, I think you guys will enjoy that show because <laughs> I will be out of town. So it'll be a pre-recorded show that uh, we will release on July 9th. I think that's going to be a fun one. In any event, we're going to have a big high stakes player next week, as we always do on this show, coming up 10, 9 central next Friday. Um, I want to uh, remind you to not only re uh, register for the inaugural best ball tournament at myffpc.com today and take your shot at $100,000 in a $550,000 grand prize pool. But remember, less than three weeks to get that football guy's early bird on your account. Free, a free $35 FFPC credit as long as you register for the FPC draft. Register by June 30th, draft it by July 15th. You will get that credit applied to your account. The KFFSC checkered flag, the KFFSC main event, and the FFPC main event. Don't forget to book your hotel room for that. Never a better time to do it. Thank you all for listening. Congratulations to the show. This has been now. another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. In all seriousness, ladies and gentlemen, I do want to thank everybody who signed up. Um, remember, everybody in this FFPC Pros versus Joe's uh, drawing registered their uh, team or at least the deposit on their team for the FFPC main event, um, whether they're drafting online or live in Las Vegas, which uh, Alex Palazzo, tonight's guest, will be doing. Um, I want to thank all of you for doing that. It was a wild year last year. You guys continue to support the FFPC, which we love. And the support this year was even monst uh, more monstrous uh, because I think a lot of people, and I've touched on this before, and I'm not, listen, you want to draft at home, that's fine. You want to draft live, that's going to be great too. I think we're going to have a huge, huge turnout in Vegas. That party, the pregame party on Thursday night is going to be off the hook. It is going to be a wild time in Las Vegas this September. So thank you so much for your support of the main event. Good luck in all your drafts this weekend. Congratulations to the Joes. And uh, we can't wait to bring this live draft by or uh, pick by pick draft coverage, me and uh, Farrell, starting in mid-July. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Have a great weekend, and we will talk to you next Friday.